Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show, Oh, What a Week, for Friday, December 10th, is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com, for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, it's true, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. We'll be talking about the latest column from Ben in moments, but hey, Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y, if you want to help out this program. It is Friday, December 10th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week. And now your host, if you've been following the show at all this week, he loved his laptop on Tuesday. (laughs) It's Friday. Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Drowski here. We're calling this Laptop Sucks Friday. And here always <laughs> might as well just continue with that theme for a little bit uh, for reasons I do not know. And we've had some of the best and brightest minds in computer technology working in this problem. We had DJ Nate working in this problem. We had Dr. D working in this problem. We had my wife, Pam, working in this problem. The brightest minds in technology outside of Zuckerberg's office. I've been working in this program, and somehow or other, my headphones don't work. But you know what, folks? Life goes on. We're not crying about it. We're not sitting here boo-hooing. We're moving ahead. We're forging ahead with, oh, what a week. Without further ado, the man, myth, the legend, the pride of joy in Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. The man in Alton that they call Dr. D as in D-Marvelous with, oh, what a week. No one calls me that. (laughs) You just came up with that, like... <laughs> Two weeks ago. <laughs> I love it though. D marvelous. Yes, we are not boohooing and we are moo hooving along. How's it going? I'm Dennis. All right, let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. We begin in Illinois and we begin with the Illinois governor. Face coverings. <laughs> Sit up! covering <laughs> and boy i tell you governor jb pritzker was in rare form this week he made the rounds all across illinois he was upstate he was downstate left right he was everywhere ben <laughs> on tuesday the governor was in westmont illinois ben tell us what you know about westmont oh my god westmont is just west of eastmont <laughs> there's eastmont westmont and northmont Okay, but there's no Southmont. Very curious. Oh, so you know nothing about westmont i think it no there was a really good basketball player from westmont And I'm blanking on his name. I believe he played basketball at Iowa and he went to Westmont. And that's pretty much everything I know about Westmont. You know what county it's in? Oh, yeah. Westmont is in uh, Kendall County. (laughs) (laughs) Westmont is in Will County. Westmont's in DuPage County. 
I knew that. It's in DuPage County. D, let's just edit all this out. The governor joined uh, the unveiling of Jewel Osco's first micro-fulfillment center in Westmont. What's a micro-fulfillment center? Well, we'll find out in moments. But first, here's Westmont Mayor Ron Gunter. My executive chamber director notified me today that in 1899, Jewel started what was then probably the first delivery system with horses and wagon. Holy cow, 1899, Ben. <laughs> horses and wagons. Uh, By the way, I was there the day they started that. Yeah, I was there. <laughs> I saw that horse and that wagon. <laughs> now, a micro-fulfillment center, or MFC, is a small, sometimes highly automated fulfillment center that serves e-commerce as well as local store pickups. Oh, God. There you go. Anything to eliminate jobs. Why are they bragging about that? All right. So Pritzker also announced the state is taking steps to address the current COVID-19 surge. And for those keeping score at home, we are turning the corner into year two of this damn dirty virus. On Wednesday, he went to Carterville, Illinois, to attend the groundbreaking of the new Walker's Bluff Resort and Casino. Governor, what does this also mean? And that also means more opportunity for working families across the region, creating 1,100 construction jobs and 330. 30 permanent roles at this resort. But what happens when this casino gets built? When this casino gets built, not only are we going to create a whole bunch of jobs, and I'm talking about hundreds of ongoing jobs, also a thousand jobs just building it. Add on top of that all of the tourists that are going to come to not only Walker's Bluff, but to all the surrounding region. Uh, And they're bringing their wallets with them. Very interesting. (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Bring their wallets with them. Where is Walker's Bluff? I missed that part of the story for some reason. It's in Carterville, Illinois. Carterville? Yeah. We used to talk about Carterville all the time. Mm -hmm. Isn't Carterville way, 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 way south? Yeah, yeah. Right? Just does seem to me that their state's becoming a little too dependent on gambling. Just saying, you're bragging. Tourists will come in with, and they'll bring their wallets, which is essentially what Mayor Lightfoot's been saying about the casino that one day will uh, be up and running in Chicago. That's a whole other story, the fight over the casino in Chicago. Um, but uh, it's, I don't know, D. I just not sure this is a healthy vice to promote. I understand that's strange. People go, Ben. You're such a hypocrite. You have such a double standard. You applaud the sale of marijuana uh, to raise revenues. Well, first of all, number one, it's not just to raise revenues. Uh, it's mainly because I think it was insane that it was illegal to begin with and it was un- unfairly enforced. So if you're going to quote me, quote me accurate. Here I'm having an argument with myself, D. This is like a sign of schizophrenia. Now, do you take uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker as a gambling man? Do you think, you know, he's... I don't think he's a gambler. I don't, do not believe he's a gambler. And um, I, again, I'll go back to what I said. I don't know why everybody's rejoicing. You know, all these suck. Like, it's downstate. So we're... Help me out, D. You're my uh, downstate uh, ge- geography mm-hmm. expert. So if you want to soak somebody who's not from Illinois to come to the casinos of Carterville... Uh, what state would they come from? Kentucky? Help me out here, young man. Yeah. You, you know your geography. Carterville, that'd come... be like, I think that's more around like Carbondale and like Kentucky. Yeah, for sure. Kentucky. You don't want somebody from Carbondale. You want someone coming from in. This is the thing. They go, and they don't live in the state of Illinois. So they're like, what? <laughs> they're not human beings? It's okay to drive their family into poverty? This is the mindset. Well, but they're not from Illinois, so it's like we're getting money from outside of the state, Ben. Okay. 
It's like Mayor Daly used to do this. Give, give some corporation who's in, based in Milwaukee money to come to Chicago, and then we'll call it economic development. I go, what about the people of Milwaukee? Oh, who cares about them? <laughs> anyway, let's soak some suckers from Kentucky and Mississippi. Mississippi's down there somewhere, D. Okay, it's for some reason in this country it's acceptable. These are the acceptable vices. You know, red and blue agree. These are acceptable vi- vices. Drinking and gambling. Somehow or other, reefer is an unacceptable vice. And it, just think about that, D. I mean, Republicans still, uh, even Joe Biden. Remember he fired someone because they smoked reefer? And they, I'm like, are you kidding me? It's legal. Not federally. So it's funny. It's like they're promoting gambling. Come bring your wallets. Okay. Keeping on here with the week that was for our Illinois governor on Thursday, J.B. Pritzker attended the 40 year anniversary celebration of the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society in Chicago. Nerd alert in three, two, (laughs) one. But tonight it is my distinct pleasure and honor uh, to introduce to you uh, a man who I have the highest regard for who brought me to Illinois two years ago. In 2019, his leadership led to a $45 billion investment in the Rebuild Illinois Capital Program, including $420 million for broadband alone. At the time, the state's largest, the country's largest state-based broadband matching grant program ever. Now, of course, the years since, we've seen hundreds and hundreds and billions of dollars invested in broadband, but I still think that Illinois does it best. And so, folks, again, it is my honor to introduce to you the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society broadband champion, Governor J.B. Pritzker. I have a question for you, Dennis. What? If Illinois has done such a great job with broadband... How come the headphones on my laptop don't work? <laughs> Would you well, explain that to me? Well, that's hey. just, yeah, yeah. Let's get J.B. Pritzker in here. Maybe he can fix it. He knows so much about broadband. Or get that guy who's doing the introduction. Get him in here, all right? People are like, when's that live stream coming back? I don't know. When are Ben's headphones going to work? We have a lot of technical <laughs> problems on the Ben Jarosky. We got to get J.B. Pritzker in here and fix it. Face coverings. <laughs> He knows a lot about broadband. Maybe he can fix my headphones. Well, thank you very much. What a kind introduction. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, to Adrian also for your leadership. I'm really most grateful. Um, I want to uh, just remind everybody that um, I'm sure you heard in the introduction of Matt that uh, he is a true leader. But I just want to tell you the extent of it. He truly is the nation's leading expert, in my view, in expanding broadband to every home, uh, to every business. And he is a, I don't know if you know this about him, a former Minnesota state senator. Was that mentioned earlier? So a Minnesota state senator. Now, I want to be clear to all of you, we stole him away uh, because we made him an offer that he couldn't refuse, in only the way that an Illinoisan can do. Uh, He's got jokes. (laughs) I'll tell you what, I know JBN. Who's writing that material? I mean, I think it's JB, right? JB's, but so I still don't know who the guy, the guy's name, but whoever he is, uh, he, JB referred to Adrian. Here you go, D. Here's a little trivia question for oh. you. You referred to someone named Adrian. I don't know which who the Adrian was that he was referring to. Adrian is a character, a woman. Rocky, come on. A, oh my God! You you read? It's unbelievable. That was so. 
Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, you knew it. Adrian. Adrian. That's my Stallone imitation. Adrian. Sorry, Pete. Well, he had the room in the palm of his hand there, Ben. No, people like JB. What, what's not to like about JB? You know? In fact, uh, we were at the hideout last week, as I said. By the way, Michael Girardi was at the hideout that night. I didn't know. Remember, I was reading, telling you all the people who were at the hideout? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jay Marie was at the hideout. Frank was at the hideout. Kenny Davis was at the hideout. It was a great night. Uh, Jimmy Coogan was at the hideout. And uh, Mike Girardi was hiding in the back. I didn't know. He was there. He later uh, texted me that he was there. Um, but, uh, you know, they were kind of, I don't know, D, they were throwing down the gauntlet. Uh, Tim Tutton and Katie t- kind of trash talking us a little bit. They were talking about Patrick J. Whalen, a dear friend of us, Patrick J. Whalen, has the Patrick J. Whalen show mm-hmm. at the hideout. It's not really what it's called, but that's what we're calling it. Uh, and as his guest, he had J.B. Pritzker. And so Timmy Tutton's sort of like, yeah, did I tell you that Pat Whalen had J.B. Pritzker? Huh? Oh. When are you going to get J.B. Pritzker? Oh, a little pissing contest at the hideout, huh? I know. <laughs> like, well, I do have a habit of the pressure's on. I don't know what to do. How about this? What if we get Joe Biden at the hideout? How oh, about yeah. that? Timmy oh, Tutton? yeah. No, everybody likes JB. Well, that's not true, as we all know. But if you like JB, you really like him. Well, that was gonna, I've been meaning to bring. I brought this up to you on the phone today, but yeah, I, I think you always give people homework assignments. I have a homework assignment for you, and I think you were uh, interested in it. Just see how yes. far you can go outside of the city until you hit a JB Pritzker suck sign. I think that's a great homework assignment, and it'd be good for me anyway because I'm really having troubles leaving. The city. I have troubles getting out of my house a lot of times with this pandemic. So, but it's really a challenge. I think that's a good challenge for me. And as I told you, I think that um, if I go north, which means you go through Evanston and then you go through what's next after Evanston, well, Matt and uh, Kenilworth, Winnetka, et cetera, and so forth, uh, you're not going to hit a J.P. Pritzker suck sign, I think, for a, a long time. Right. Uh, if you go southwest, however, if you go southwest from the city, from the 19th Ward, west and south, I think you'll hit one pretty soon. I think that's your best. If you're looking to get, get your fastest, you know, uh, glimpse of a J.B. Pritzker suck signs, that's the route to take. Uh, you know what, D? I think that's a great assignment. I think that's a good assignment. Yes. And, uh, and today, Governor J.B. Pritzker joined the U.S. Secretary of Energy for a tour of Fermilab and to highlight the state's leadership in equitable climate action. And as we record this right now, Governor Pritzker is signing legislation expanding the Reimagine Public Safety Act. Obviously, I don't have the audio. It's happening right now. But that was the week that was for our Illinois governor, one Joseph Baron Pritzker. All right. Now, about those Illinois Republicans looking to unseat the governor in the upcoming 2022 election. Yes, it's true. And while it is early, election season in Illinois is pretty much here. It's time for a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Now, at the moment, we have four, four very brave souls trying to beat a billionaire in a gubernatorial election. Now, of course, it's only a matter of time until these fellers start politically assaulting each other. But at the moment, it seems like they're working together. And it seems to be an age-old Republican strategy in Illinois. I'm not sure when it started, but it's pretty smart if you ask me. 
What's a Republican to do when millions of lefty Chicagoans won't vote for you? Well, you may as well not even try because you're better off just scaring the living hell out of the millions of people who live right outside the city. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune and Ricky P. Rick Pearson. Republicans running for governor are using the increase in violent crime in an effort to reach suburban voters critical in deciding a statewide election and recapture a region of of the state the GOP controlled for decades. With Cook County reporting on Tuesday its 1,000th homicide of the year, a level not seen since 1994, the GOP candidate's rhetoric has shifted. What I have here is I have quotes. First up, it's the downstate hog farmer and some would say GOP frontrunner at the moment. During a recent stop in Woodlawn on Chicago's south side, Republican Illinois gubernatorial candidate Darren Bailey said, quote, The real pandemic in Illinois is the violence that we're facing here on the streets of Chicago and now spreading all throughout the state. First of all, uh, this is classic 101 uh, Republican tactics. Uh, Donnie Trump did the same thing. Uh, and so you said Darren DB was in Woodlawn. He was in this. I missed that. I yep. didn't I didn't realize he was in Woodlawn. I must have. Uh, how did I miss that? Uh, and uh, so let's put it this way. This is uh, Republicans have been trying to scare voters uh, into uh, voting uh, against Democrats uh, on the crime issue oh, since at least the Richard Nixon uh presidency of 1968. It's perhaps their most successful tactic. Uh, No Republican ever has come up with anything remotely resembling a solution uh, to crime, a way to deal with it uh, in such a way. At best, they'll suggest literally locking everybody up, whether they're guilty or not. Of course, then when you uh, prosecute them, it's how unfair you are and uh, how we're all uh, innocent until proven otherwise. So Essentially, what they do uh, is, in this case, they'll go to a, a neighborhood in Chicago and say, crime is terrible, and it's the Democrats' fault. And uh, and that's all they have to do. So, you know, and a discussion of crime, roots of crime, what we might do about crime, other than, like, I don't know, lock everybody up. Do we even have the money, the resources, or the willpower to lock everybody up? Where are we going to store them when we lock them all up? And crime is a very serious issue. Duh, obviously. We talk about it all the time in this show. But I've not seen anything meaningful from the Republican Party ever on this issue. In fact, Dennis, if you recall, the leader of the Republican Party, <clears throat> the leader of MAGA, the man that they uh, worship, Donnie Trump, said he could solve the problem of crime in Chicago. What was it? Was it a week it would take? I forget the exact. It was like some short amount of time. A week, 72 hours. In the old days, Frank would look it up for us, but now we're not doing it live, speaking of computer technological problems. But the point is, he had this plan. He could just snap his fingers and cry wouldn't be gone. He said that he was a candidate, Trump, in 2016. Here we are in 2021. We had four years of Trump. He never once, all they use Chicago for is as a backdrop to sort of like feed all the prejudices that folks who don't live in Chicago may have about Chicago. Also, I think the real pandemic in Illinois is the real pandemic in Illinois. <laughs> I was just going to get to that. You know, the real pan. Yeah, the real pandemic in Illinois is the one that we're really struggling with. Uh, Darren Bailey, DB, 
it's the one that you don't believe is real. The one that you don't think we need to take vaccines to uh, prevent the spread of the one you don't think we need to wear masks to prevent the spread of. You're kind of just winging it. Is that how it is now? The Republicans have decided, you know what? We're just going to live with this thing for <laughs> see what see what happens. I think the um, the assumption is, D, I've said this before. I think we've all more or less reached certain conclusions each individual conclusions about how the pandemic affects us or how COVID affects us. Uh, And I think that um, younger people who are relatively physically fit have come to the conclusion. And I think it's a logical conclusion to come to that. It really won't hurt them. You know, they're it's something that kills older people or kills a heavy set people or it kills people with already some kind of pre-existing condition on another health front or what have you, but it doesn't affect us. So it's sort of like the attitude of, let's say, uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's not going to affect me. So what do I have to worry about? I think a lot of people have come to that conclusion. And so I think the Republican strategy for dealing with the pandemic is essentially that point, D. Folks, it's not going to kill you. So it may kill this old guy. So he should go take the vaccine if that's going to make him comfortable. But if it's not going to kill you and it's just going to kill some old guy, what do you care? Why do we need masks? Why do we need to encourage vaccines? And so I think that's the strategy, D. That is the DB strategy, the Darrell Bailey strategy, uh, just to act as though like the pandemic, the real pandemic, is a non-existent pandemic that is only is only dangerous to old, overweight people. I think that's the Republican strategy right now, D. I really do. Hey, friends, are you ready for government to dictate and control your lives again? You're one step closer. J.B. Pritzker, our tyrannical governor. All right, that's enough, Darren. <laughs> D.B. Our tyrannical. <laughs> like, you almost butchered it. Up next, it's Ben's boy, Sully. <laughs> 37-year-old Republican gubernatorial candidate Jesse Sullivan. Sullivan, in a recent Fox News interview, laid out some more suburban scare tactics, likening Chicago to a corrupt war zone. Sullivan was a civilian advisor to a U.S. Army field team in Afghanistan and has been criticized for attempting to portray himself as an enlisted military serviceman. Here's the quote from Sullivan. Quote, yeah, I served over in Afghanistan. And you know what? I know what it takes to serve the people of Illinois and protect them. Make the city streets safe again. Wow. I mean, it's like, what do you do with that sentence? It, it like really doesn't, it's classic political talk. Like the one thing doesn't lead to another. Like, are you trying to say that your experience, whatever it was in Afghanistan, and it is an issue as to what exactly you did with, over there, uh, but whatever experience it was, your experience in Afghanistan prepared you to make Chicago streets safer? What about Afghanistan and the United States military intervention there? The war that was fought there would want, lead anybody to believe that anyone who had anything to do with it could make Chicago safe again. Deep, help me out on that one. You know what I mean? Do you think of like when you think of safe streets, do you think of Afghanistan right now? You know, it's like what role? I mean, what are you just going to bomb people in Chicago? Is that what you're saying? Like, what are you even saying? But it's just like you put these words together. So like the word part of it is I was in Afghanistan. So oh, he's soldier, he's military, he's patriotic. I like that. And then you just go, I can make the streets safe again. 
So what, I, I don't know, people's minds, you send in an occupying force, you send in tanks, you send it, you know, have drones fl- flying over, just shooting people. It's just a, a really, it's a bizarre joining of two things that don't really have anything to do with each other, but that form an image in someone's mind that if you're already like have a fear about what happens in Chicago or you have a hatred for Chicago, you like, maybe some people get off on the notion of bombing Chicago. All right. Well, you know, he hasn't won you over yet, but I do have more quotes from him. Maybe he'll win you over here. Yeah. Sullivan said the state's Democratic leadership needs to quit prioritizing criminals and putting them before victims and police and stop using Democrat talking points and blaming guns and throwing money at the problem through social programs, not actually backing and supporting our police. So we think now. I think (laughs) that's even worse. Oh, man. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) prioritizing criminals like who, what what you know again folks i just want to say something we have let me just point out to you ladies and gentlemen we have like rights as citizens in this country okay and whenever a republican gets in trouble they start crying and screaming about the like they compare all of the the uh prosecutors are coming after them to Nazis and communists. And they talk about their first amendment protected rights and their constitutionally protected rights. And they absolutely believe in the constitution when they get in trouble, someone else gets in trouble. Like, I don't know, accused of a purse snatching or anything. Well, you care about him, throw him in jail. You're coddling criminals. What does it even mean, prioritizing criminals? I don't know anybody prioritizing criminals. Up, oh, I'm going to go after the criminal vote, D. I'm going to prioritize criminal. That's, <laughs> but you know, I'm sure there's some dem- some voter going. Oh, they're prioritizing criminals. I, I remember they uh, was it with Tisa Wallace's bill. We talked about this in the show where um, the the issue was should people who are incarcerated be allowed to vote? A lot of them are just charged with the crime they don't have the money to pay their bail they've been convicted oh my god you should have heard those republicans you would have thought like we were going to make what al capone president of the united states although having said that i think a lot of republicans would appreciate al capone running the country yeah he knew how to run a business corporation no coddling <laughs> no coddling criminals by the criminal so it's like again more meaninglessness and then he's against social programs. Like, are you so your solution to our problem with crime is to get rid of social programs? That's it. So I don't know. No job training programs for anybody. That's it. Uh, just lock people up, throw them away. You know, like what else? What other social programs do you want to get rid of? Just want to like. No help for poor families. When I, well, you're, you're probably in agreement with the people who run the city of Chicago. No nurses in the public schools. I mean, what's your solution? Long term, long range. Get rid of social programs. Just lock everybody up. It seems like he hasn't won you over yet, but the race is still early. Paul Schimpf. 
He recently <laughs> woke up and caught on with the program. He threw in some suburban scare tactics as well. This week, Shimp, a former military prosecutor, accused J.B. Pritzker in campaign materials of being MIA on the crime issue and someone who has demonized our police and jeopardized public safety. Quote, I will support our law enforcement community because they represent what's best about America when they put their lives on the line to keep us safe. And I will work with local leaders across the political board. Hmm. Are you going to support the Capitol Police, Shep? Huh? They're law enforcement. Remember when MAGA attacked the Capitol and threw it, like hit him over the head with hockey sticks? Remember that, Shep? You going to support those police? Well, well not those. Come on, Ben. Not those police. They were uh, infringing on the right of real patriots to express themselves. Which police are you going to support here? <laughs> and by the way, say what you will about J.B. Pritzker. I can't recall him ever maligning any law enforcement office. That's the funny thing. You, you don't have to, it doesn't even have to be true. You just say it. You know, maligning those law enforcement officers. Who? What? When? I've never, ever heard any elected official malign a law enforcement I don't know, maybe what he was critical of um, Derek Chauvin. I don't even know if he was critical of Derek Chauvin. Derek Chauvin, the Minneapolis, former Minneapolis police officer who killed George Floyd. Paul Shem, are you going to be real, willing to criticize Derek Chauvin? Or are you just going to say any police officer is always right? This kind of like, and I know, D, uh, experts have come in and said, Ben, you got to keep things really simple for the voter. Got to boil it down to something that really enrages them. So, you know, maybe Paul Shemp, who is, as uh, we've pointed out many times, uh, Dennis's favorite uh, stooge, Shemp, uh, maybe um, a sleeper hit. He's awesome. Maybe he knows something, you know, that we don't know. Maybe people are going to go, yeah, they're cuddling criminals. <laughs> so here, so far, here are our uh, policy proposals from the Republicans uh, to deal with crime. Bomb Chicago, turn it in Afghanistan, uh, get rid of every single social program so that all you do is punish people uh, and worship the police. Okay, there you go. Well, we got one more candidate. Maybe, you know, he has something to say you'll, you'll like. He says here it's a, uh, you know, maybe he's not much of a talker. I'm not sure. But Gary Rabine weighed in as well. <laughs> saying Pritzker should withhold state funding to Chicago in an effort to get Mayor Lori Lightfoot to address crime in the city. Uh, and perhaps he shouldn't talk that much because he also called for the state to deploy the National Guard, though it has no specific law enforcement training. Hmm. So let's deal with the inner contradiction in this proposal. So withdraw state money to Chicago. That's it, Chicago. No more state money for you. <laughs> Your crime is high, so we're going to get rid of all the state money. Oh, so what are we going to do with the criminals if there's no we're getting help? Like, where do we put them? Like, let's okay. We we're going to stop paying our police officers. We don't get any assistance whatsoever. Nothing. And how if you at the same time you want to bring in the National Guard. That would require spending state money. So if you're going to withdraw the state money, how can you send in the National Guard? Wait, they're not going to get paid? Is that it? Is that your proposal? We're going to send the National Guard into Chicago, but because we're withdrawing money from Chicago, we're not going to pay them. And they have to pay for their own gas. I, just, you know, it's like, 
they stitch together these sentences where the first part of the sentence doesn't doesn't connect to the second part of the sentence. There's no correlation. And they just throw stuff out there. And the voter's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Finally, someone said it. So, one, withdraw all state money to the city of Chicago. Two, send the National Guard into Chicago, even though that would be an expenditure on Chicago. But haven't really figured out how we're going to get the National Guard to Chicago if we're not willing to spend money to get the National Guard to Chicago. That, which one was that? Was that Raybine? Raybine. Gary Raybine. A little shout out to Eric Zorn. We would not know the pronunciation of that man's name without Eric Zorn. We'd be lost. Uh, I always got to <laughs> Gary Raybine. <laughs> I still have that instinct, Eric. Don't get mad at me to call him Rabin. I want to call him Rabin, but it's Raybine. Yeah, because he could be our next governor. Oh, yeah. And there <laughs> it was, your 2022 <laughs> Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. And hey, what do you know? More election news besides that obvious trouncing that's going to take place in the governor's race. Gia Nulius. Gia Nulius. Sorry, everybody. We're trying to get familiar with the name Alexi Gianulius because I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more from this guy in the coming months. He's currently running for Illinois Secretary of State. Turns out Jesse White, yes, the guy in the pictures at the DMV, Jesse White, is retiring. And ever since the news broke, we've been trying to pronounce this guy's name right because he won't stop talking about how he's running for Secretary of State. Now, Ben, help us out here. I know we've talked about this guy before, but all I really can remember, honestly, is that he sounded a lot like Barack Obama. In many respects, uh, a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. Is that Obama? <laughs> he does sound like a Barack Obama. And at one point, he was sort of uh, Barack Obama's uh, disciple, I guess. Uh, so here, Alexi Giannoulias. Giannoulias. Uh, yeah. Comes from a banking family uh, in the city uh, of Chicago. Uh, I find myself talking like a Barack Obama. And I'm really going to stop doing it right now. Uh, and he was state treasurer, and he's a, a tall, very good-looking guy and a hell of a basketball player, and uh, as such, was part of Barack Obama's uh, basketball playing group. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, Ben, you're just jealous because Barack didn't invite you to play basketball with him. And that's a, there's a lot of validity to what you just said, okay? I would have been pretty cool hitting that uh, corner shot. Hey, Mr. President, give me the ball. And then you go, uh, Betty, uh, you have a great shot. From the corner. Uh, but Janulius has a serious game. By the way, so does Eric Zorn. Have I told you that already? Eric Zorn. No, no. He's a pretty good basketball player. Um, yeah. In addition to being having a, a firm command of how Republicans pronounce their name, he's a heck of a basketball player. Anyway, Janulius is a great basketball player, uh, and uh, he comes from a banking family. He was the state treasurer. And when Barack Obama uh, decided, well, when Barack Obama got elected, uh, uh, president of the United States, there was a vacancy, and Janulius was the front runner, Democratic front runner, uh, to fill that vacancy. He won the Democratic primary. I did not vote for him, D, because his banking family is up to its eyeballs and all to, all sorts of no good stuff dealing with the banking uh, breakdown of 2010. And once again, I was like banging my head against the wall, going, "Why do Democrats seem determined to always shoot themselves in the foot?" Why would you nominate a banker 
in the midst of a banking crisis when everybody dislikes bankers to be your party nominee? Well, clearly, the Democratic voters of the state of Illinois do not listen to me, D. So he was the nominee and he lost. Isn't that embarrassing? The 2010 election lost for 10 trivia points. Who defeated him? Dr. D. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, uh, it's Mark Kirk. Yes. So now, you know, everybody's kind of forgotten that election. It's a while ago. So he's running for secretary of state, which will be a springboard to a higher office. And he can come back and be a senator one day. He's young, too, by the way. He's like in the 40s or something. So he's got a big future, D. People like him. Well, big future and a big week for Alexi. He picked <laughs> he picked up some endorsements. Uh, we have an ad to play featuring one of these endorsements. But first up, Giannulius nabs AFL-CIO backing with endorsement from Illinois Federation of Teachers. With IFT's endorsement, Giannulius has secured backing from some of the largest members of the Illinois AFL-CIO, giving him an edge in getting support. Giannulius uh, has also been endorsed by Representative Jan. Shikowski. He said picking up Shikowski's support is a game changer. Oh, he does like basketball. Shoot that jumper! <laughs> Heading into the June primary. <laughs> uh, Jan Shikowski, of course, is the congresswoman from the 9th Congressional District. Uh, very popular in the 9th Congressional District. Uh, she is. And uh, I assume that means the Genius vote in Evanston will be strong. Uh, that's her base of the 9th Congressional District is uh centered very much in uh, the great town of Evanston, where, of course, I was an outstanding scholar many years ago at Evanston Township High School, uh, dutifully studying math. And now, for 10 trivia points, Dennis, and I know you know the answer to this. Mark Kirk. No. (laughs) Who is the mayor of Evanston? Oh, that's Daniel Biss. Danny Biss. Yes, I thought the math thing would give it away. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, so I think he's the front runner. Clearly, he's got the, like I said, he's very popular. Uh, and, uh, God, just talking. You put Obama in my head. I get those Obama pauses. Um, uh, in many respects, uh, a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. You sound just like Obama. I know you've been playing a lot of basketball with him. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, so he's the front runner. Uh, I've not decided that I'm going to vote for him. Uh I'm leaning toward David Moore, the alderman of the 17th Ward, ah, because he was a guest on the show. Now you're going to go, Ben, that is the dumbest reason to vote for anybody for secretary. Well, and before you say that, we have more here. Uh, we have another endorsement uh, for one Giannullius, and a familiar face returns to the scene. I'm former Congressman Luis Gutierrez. Yeah! Louis. That's right, guys. Former Chicago Congressman Luis Gutierrez has endorsed Alexi Giannullius. Ben, I mean, this may sway a little bit for Secretary of State. Gutierrez announced his support in a new digital ad. Like to hear it? Here it go. I'm former Congressman Luis Gutierrez, and I'm here today to support the candidacy for Secretary of State of Alexi Giannullius. We've been fighters together for working men and women in the state of Illinois and across this country. When there was a strike at Chicago Windows and Doors, the owners just simply turned their backs on workers that have been there for decades. Alexi and I, we took on Bank of America and we won. Those workers received nearly $3 million in compensation. As treasurer, he raised his voice for those workers 
And that shouldn't surprise any of us, because Alexei, he comes from an immigrant background. His mom and dad came here with nothing. That's why he stood up with those workers. And that's why I ask you today to stand with him. We need new clear voices that are going to stand up for working men and women. I know how I'm going to cast my ballot. It's going to be for Alexei, for Secretary of State. I ask you to join me. Got my vote. Well, that, uh, Louis. <laughs> oh, uh, Congressman Gutierrez, former Alderman uh, Gutierrez, been on the show a few times. Hasn't been on in a while, D. You should reach out to him. Uh, and uh, still active in politics, I see. Kind of a slap in the face to Anna Valencia, who is a uh, the Chicago City clerk, who's also running for that office. And uh, so he's not supporting Latino in the race. But um, I'm not surprised. Like I said, like you said, he's very popular with uh, Illinois Democrats. Uh, and I think they're just closing ranks on him. It's a very important point. It's patronage rich. It's a very important job, uh, politically speaking. It's a patronage rich job. Uh, and it's a high profile job. So everybody in the state of Illinois, whether you're MAGA or not MAGA, uh, has to get a driver's license. And this is the office that oversees that whole process. People love Jesse White. Uh, you see his picture in every... Uh, you know, motor vehicle, a place that you go into. So, um, yeah, uh, it's a springboard. You know, Jesse White was content to be the Secretary of State. He made it clear that he it, he wasn't going to use it as a springboard. As such, he probably would will be getting elected if he wanted to, D, for the next 50 years if he lived that long. Uh, but he decided to uh, step down. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Alexi wants to, wants the job and I can guarantee you D this is a safe bet that Alexi is not going to consider this a lifelong job the, the way Jesse White did guarantee you he's going to use his picture on those, uh, at those motor vehicle bureaus, uh, as a way to promote him, his self and his brand. Uh, and there'll be a higher office that he runs for. Uh, in the future, you could take that to the bank. No pun intended, because he comes from a family of bankers. Well, right. why the hesitancy here? It sounds like you kind of like him. Oh, I mean, why the hesitancy to vote for him yeah. over uh, David Moore? Yeah. I said already, and I and I I shouldn't have said it because everyone's going to go, "Oh my God, Ben, that's the most frivolous thing I've ever heard." I like David Moore. I've known him. He comes on the show. I've interviewed him more than once. You know, why not give David Moore a chance at the job? I don't know. It's Secretary of State. Doesn't the office kind of run itself? You just don't be corrupt. That's pretty much what we ask. It's, you know, D, I just, I think that David Moore would be uh, an effective, what's the word? Uh, what's effect? Guardian of the Secretary of State office. I think he's an honest man. So, you know, and I don't think he used it for a springboard for something else. So I don't know. That's where I'm leaning. Okay. I'm just, I'm leaning toward David Moore. But, you know, if Alexi uh, is the candidate, uh, if Alexi is the Democratic candidate, I will definitely vote for him because I am not going to vote for any Republicans while they are paying allegiance to Donald Trump. In many respects, uh, a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. That's you. You fear change. You, you got to vote for, you know, Alexi. <laughs> I fear change. All right. And finally. I don't know, Alexi. That's unfair. I've, I've, I voted for Bernie. Wasn't that change? 
I voted for Bernie in 2016 and 2020. What do you say about that, Alexi? Did you vote for Bernie in 2016? I think you voted for Hillary. Yeah. Who's afraid of change now, Alexi? Just saying. Oh, pulled the hippie card on him. All right. And finally, one more local election note. A shout out to our friend and reoccurring guest on the Ben Jarofsky show, State Rep Delia Ramirez. She threw her hat in the ring Wednesday for the new congressional seat designed by state lawmakers to give Illinois Latinos a second voice in Washington. Ramirez said she is running for Congress to break the glass ceiling and become the first Latina congresswoman in the Midwest. Ramirez has received two key endorsements out of the gate. Representative Chuy Garcia and State Senator Omar Aquino. Yes, and she will be a guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show this coming Tuesday. Already reached out to her. Uh, and she'll come on the show. So she's going to be running from the left. We uh, have three uh, friends of the Ben Jarofsky Show who are running for Congress, uh, people of the more leftist persuasion. Uh, one is Keena Collins running in the 7th Congressional District, frequent guest on this show. Uh, and the other is Letisa Wallace, uh, who will be running uh, in the 17th, a frequent guest uh, on this show, or at least she has been since she's got back into politics and Delia Ramirez. So I think it's it's good. I think it's good for, I mean, we're like left of center. Why don't we have some left of center Congress people? I mean, New York's got to give AOC a little help there. And those are three solid Ben Jarofsky show guests. Like they've been, yeah. you know, devotees to the program. So, yes. Illinois loves those middle of the road Democrat <laughs> centrists. They love their centrists. <laughs> so it may be rougher, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, they're all good friends of this show. And Deli will be here, here on Tuesday. But yeah, I'll reach out to Gilbert Viegas, Alderman Viegas. He's running as well, D. Hey, you know, we're open to centrists as well. What do I always say? We go from Joe Biden left. We got to get, uh, get one of those big uh, Google Meet panels going on. You know what I mean? With all of them, just at one time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> I don't think so. All right. Just, I don't know. Now, yeah. on, now on to the news in the city of Chicago. A mayor and her alderman. You're out of order, sir. Yes, friends, it's time for another exciting episode of everyone's favorite Chicago political soap opera. Seems to never end. It's a mayor and her alderman. Today's episode is titled, Let's Talk About Texts, Baby. Heard a lot of complaints. Now, Ben, you sent me a link to the Chicago Tribune, and sadly, I was stopped by a paywall. But hey. (laughs) Rejected, Mutombo. But hey, shout out to WBBM Radio for the same exact news. Why are you charging people? Two and a half years of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's work-related text messages are now in the hands of the Chicago Tribune, and they reveal some contentious and more than frank language aimed at the alderman. Mayor Lightfoot called alderman names and used colorful language many times if they dared cross her or suggest a solution to a problem. She took suggestions as demands, which she said she didn't take well. The Tribune obtained text messages despite the mayor trying until the very end to keep them from being made public. The Tribune finally complied when the Illinois Attorney General admonished the mayor's lack of transparency and the Tribune had threatened a lawsuit. Among her texts was one in which she called an unnamed alderman a dumb, dumb person of color. Alderman Jason Irvin, she texted, was full of crap. She told Alderman Brendan Riley 
He was Bush League and referred to Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez as a jackass. Now, these texts could be insults, or she has recently decided to invest in an awesome farm in her spare time. In another text message, Lightfoot was found calling different aldermen a peacock. Following the incident between protesters and police in Grant Park over the Columbus statue, Alderwoman Maria Haddon texted Mayor Lightfoot that the Columbus statue needs to come down. Can we talk about that making it happen? Lightfoot said she would be happy to discuss but I don't take kindly to demands. Ben, it looks like we got a mess on our hands, so call in the PR team. In response to questions about the text, Lightfoot Press Secretary Cesar Rodriguez released a statement Thursday saying the past two years have been some of the most challenging times for local elected leaders. Governing is a tough business. Emotions can at times get the best of each of us. The mayor is fully focused on working together with aldermen and other stakeholders to continue to address the very serious issues that face our city every day. Yeah, I got so much to say about this. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories to come down the road in a while. I want to give a shout out to Gregory Pratt, uh, really enterprising uh, city hall reporter uh, for the Chicago Tribune, who must be high uh, on the Mayor Lori Lightfoot does not like list. And we were talking about that with Carlos uh, Ramirez Rosa the other day, the list. Carlos was sort of a little disappointed. He goes, you know, when she, when I, uh, Lori Leifert was first sworn in, I was probably at the top of the list of people that she hated uh, in Chicago politics. And now that list has grown so much, I don't even know if I'm in the top 10. Uh, and so Gregory Pratt uh, is doing his job and uh, filed the, the FOIA to get access to this stuff and fought hard and vigorously uh, to uh, finally force the mayor to turn it over. So, Congratulations to you on an outstanding job, uh, Gregory Pratt. Uh, some reporters, D, I, I talked about this with Ramon. I get a big kick out of this. So this is like a, a pre pretty significant scoop for Gregory Pratt. And other reporters, you know, they're quick to dismiss it. And you know what that's all about, D, because they, they they didn't get it. You know, oh, come on. There's nothing new there. I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. I'm a reporter. I knew that. And so the editor comes over to the reporter, gives him grief. How come you didn't have this story? Well, come on. Everybody knew that. All right. So uh, Gregory Pratt, good job. Well done. Uh, and I just would love to hear all the reporters telling their editors, I knew that. God, that's nothing new, which is kind of what they're all saying. Yeah, she's uh, uh, she's got a uh, she's got a quick counterpunch. I guess that's a nice way of framing it. D. You know, you say something that uh, thin skin is another way of saying it. You say something that crosses her. Bam. She comes right back at you, uh, you know, and uh, I, I didn't see anything. I read the article carefully. I didn't see anything that these report these uh, aldermen did that was so horrible. Marie, Maria hadn't raised the obvious point to Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Get rid of the statue. Hello. You know, the Columbus statue was like a magnet drawing police supporters and uh, police protesters to the same site. And they're supposed to be separated from each other by police who can't stand the protesters. Let's think about that for a moment. And so, you know, it's in the middle of the summer of 2020 when there's so much anxiety and fear and anger in the air and as a remnant of uh, the George Floyd murder and is just a byproduct of being locked in our houses for months. Duh, move the statue. And, but you know, it's like some people can't like, you know, D it's like you get an idea and you can't say, Oh, that's a good idea. Why not think of that? That's a great idea. Thank you for saying you're not, 
you know, I make a joke about it. like when Monroe comes up with a good line, I always go, Monroe, I'm going to steal your line and not give you any credit for it. And it's like some people actually live life that way. You know, they can't just say, hey, Maria Hedden, that's a good idea. No, I will not be told what to do. <laughs> Maria Hedden wasn't telling you what to do. She was offering us a suggestion. Now, maybe you got to couch it a little differently, right, D? You get, someone once told me that you always, when you're dealing with a person who's sensitive, I don't know if you ever heard this advice, Dennis, you should always work the, the conversation so they think your idea is their idea. You ever heard that one? Did your mm-hmm. dad ever tell you that one or your mom ever tell you that one? Someone, I don't know, the milkman, somebody. <laughs> someone told you that. I'm not that good at that. But um, apparently Maria hadn't. You got to get better at that. Got to. You have to do it in such a way that Lori Light think, Lightfoot thinks it's her idea, and then she'll go, "I'm a genius." And by the way, guess what, D? She got rid of the Columbus statue, and guess what? The problem was solved. Then she had to get rid of all the Columbus statues. That was hilarious. There was one on the south side nobody even knew anything about. So she got thin skin. I'll tell you who she likes. I don't know if you. The I, I read the whole story. She loves. Our dear friend, something we have in common. She loves Sue Sadlowski Garza. That came clear. I love you, Sue. I love you, Mayor. <laughs> Sue, I love you, too. That's something that uh, Lori Lightfoot and I agree on. We both love Sue Sadlowski Garza. What's not to love about her? So, uh, and by the way, she hates the Chicago Teachers Union. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I don't get it. Mayor Lightfoot, come on. Let it go. You got to let it go and uh you know give stacy davis a call would you come on won't kill you oh and i i understand what you've been saying here about uh, these texts and the teachers union but i mean the press secretary said it governing is a tough business right emotions at times get the best of each of us right as uh, we remember when uh, that great exchange between Raylan lopez who i believe was the person that she called a peacock uh, that was who she, she was oh, referring oh, really? to. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it's contentious. It's difficult. And these last two years have been very challenging indeed. Absolutely. Being mayor of the city of Chicago is a very challenging job, even without a pandemic. Um, so yeah, I, um, I couldn't get too upset with the, you know what I mean? Uh, there were a couple times I think she crossed the line. I thought she crossed the line with Maria Haddon. Uh, I think, uh, she's got this bizarre hatred for Byron Sixual Lopez. I don't know. I think he's a great guy. He comes on the show all the time. You know, he speaks passionately for what he believes. Yeah. Nice um, quote and all it, but it's, it's name calling, right? You're, yeah. You're the well, mayor. She, the, <laughs> Nick, the Nick. Okay. The, so you didn't see this, but, uh, the paywall, uh, the Matumbo like paywall rejected you. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i uh you know it's funny uh i subscribed to the tribune i thought if i sent you the link it would well, whatever anyway um uh but uh in uh, uh in the the, the the article itself it talks about how uh nick sposato alderman your favorite alderman of the uh 38th war i, I, I was say. thrilled when he was on our program last week but nick sposato sent her uh an email and they, he calls, he has a nickname for Byron, uh, oh, yeah. Lopez, I saw that. uh, Shitko. And, uh, and Lori Lightfoot's like, Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, that's kind of petty. I don't know why they hate Byron so much. Stan, I mean, 
You know, they hate lefties. Oh, I know they hate left. You know why they hate lefties? Because lefties make them look bad because they're supposed to be doing the things the lefties say should be done. So they get mad at the lefties. They're mad at Rosanna Rodriguez, uh, Sanchez. They're mad at Carlos. They're mad at Jeanette Taylor because the lefties are trying to hold them accountable for the promises they make. Every like Lori Lightfoot ran as more, more or less a progressive. I won't call her a lefty. She ran as a progressive. And as soon as she got in, she became that same old raw moderate stuff. And so then she gets mad at the lefties because they haven't sold out. <laughs> it's like, and here's the other thing. I don't know if you've noticed this. They, this is another common thing in Chicago that uh, I've noticed. It's becoming really prevalent uh, in the age of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Whenever uh, the mayor is caught breaking a promise, the, the reaction of people, and I know that this would probably irritate you because you, you have just a general disdain for politicians across the board. Big time. But it's like people's attitude is, well, why would you expect her to fulfill that promise, Ben? It was just a campaign promise. There's a difference between campaigning and running. <laughs> I mean, it's like, why do we have campaigns if they're just going to say things that they don't believe? You know, but that is just like a, such a common Chicago refrain. Well, it's a campaign promise, Ben. She's not good. What? You think she's going to fix the TIF program, the program that's supposed to help poor people, but goes to rich people? And just because she said she was going to do it? Come on, Ben. It was just a campaign promise. It's like the mayor got into that with, uh, who was it? I forget. Someone she was really mad at last week. I saw that in the paper who was criticizing her for breaking a promise. And she actually said, she said something along the lines of, everybody knows you say anything to get elected. The dummies vote for you. Then you do whatever you want. Well, yeah. Is that how it works? That's funny you didn't say that at the hideout. <laughs> hideout, it was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this and the other thing. Oh, I'll say it once. I'll say it so many times. She just worked you guys over at that hideout. I'm going to defend Mick Dunkey. going to defend Mick. I'm defending Mick. He, he got thrown under the bus uh, in the interview with Romano saying today, just saying, Mick, uh, his position on the Beatles documentary. Come on, Mick. You got to come on. Got to change your uh, documentary viewing habits. But on this point, he was absolutely correct. <laughs> I was the one bamboozled by Lori Lightfoot at the hideout, not Mick. OK, I was the one to go. Oh, my God. She's saying everything I want to hear. This is music to my ears. Jay Marie right now is laughing at me laughing at me because I got fooled. But I believe what they said. Now I'm learning. You're not supposed to believe what they say. So I have no idea how I'm going to vote from now on. You know what I'm saying? If you're not supposed to believe what they say, what are you supposed to do? I'm not sure. <laughs> Why have debates then? They should just say in the day, I'm going to say things in this debate. I want to assure you right now, I'm not going to do any of it. <laughs> oh, okay. That's reassuring. Now, how would you compare this to uh, the previous mayor when Rahm Emanuel would have like an email dump or text leaks or something like that? How does that kind of compare uh, with the mayor now and the previous one? You know, that is a uh, good question, Madam Mayor. Good question. I don't recall anybody getting access to the real good stuff that Rahm uh, texted out to people. So that either means that Rom was really smart and didn't text it or that Rom uh, concealed the text, the good text from reporters in the FOIA. There really is no way to know if you're getting all the texts, you know what I'm saying? Cause they get to clear and redact stuff. And so I, I can't answer that question. 
I do know that there were a few email exchanges that the I think it was the Sun Times got a hold of Rom. Somebody got a hold of him that just showed him to be just an absolute ass. And there was the one where some rich guy uh, wrote an email complaining uh, that Rom um, was being too not hard enough on pensioners, and that he should be. Uh, <laughs> Rich people, man. What a trip. My tax dollars are going to pay the pension payments of retirees? Harumph! <laughs> Let them eat cruel! So he was mad about that. And Rom, his response to he was uh, bragging about how he cut health benefits for retirees. I'm like, you're bragging about this? This is what you're proud of? Okay, you're a Democrat? So... There were some uh, there were some glimpses of Rom through uh, his texts and uh, uh, or excuse me his email. I, I like to think uh, if I can pat myself on the back and pat the uh, the legendary the great Mick Dumkey in the back. Uh, we got a hold of his um, appointment calendar from way back when, and this is Mick's idea. I got to give him credit that Mister uh, Dumkey figured this one out. He goes, "Hey Ben, let's foyer for this stuff," uh, and they turned it over, and we saw. That Rom, <laughs> Rom was just meeting with rich guys. You know, man, come on, Chicago. Come on, Chicago. Just confess. You voted for a guy who knew nothing about your city, largely because you thought Barack Obama was telling you to vote for him, and that somehow or other he had a reputation for mean and nasty, and that's what it takes to be the mayor. That's why you voted for him in 2011. As soon as he got into office, he made it pretty clear to everyone that he, he was using this, much like Alexi's using Secretary of State, he was using this to promote his brand so he could run for a higher office. He didn't care a damn uh, about you at all. It's pretty obvious, and it was reflected by who he met with. He never met with anybody like, you know, like a local leader or anything like that. It was like rich guy. What's the name of the... Um, the the rich duck remember that that's before your time oh What's no that? scrooge mcduck yeah he would read me i'm meeting with scrooge mcduff that's kind of and um who is the rich guy in gilligan's island he would uh he would meet with that guy whoever that rich guy got off of <laughs> to go meet with rom that's kind of whom rom was meeting with so we got a glimpse of that and a shout out again to mcdunkey that was that was his uh idea we had a blast with that right in that story. Yeah. Anyway, so that's the that's how they compared to you. All right. Any other uh, things you'd like to say here about uh, these texts going on from the mayor? Is there one about you out there? <laughs> I can just imagine what you would say about me, but uh, I, I've not seen it. And um, so, you know, I'm, I've, I've wondered like if they somehow or other expose my text i've said this many times it'd be pretty embarrassing some of the stupid stuff i text about like about the bulls you know all the stuff i text about the bulls are pretty embarrassing so anyway nope as far as i know my texts uh have remained my texts and there it was the latest episode of a mayor and her alderman let's talk about texts baby a mayor and her alderman. I don't want an answer. It's not something you ignore. I think you're 100% full of shit, is what I think. If you think <laughs> we want to fight, fuck you then. Who are you to tell me I'm full of shit? Whoa. Oh, Raylo! Mm -hmm. I won't just turn the car around. 
I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Okay. We've oh, what a city. There we go. What a kind and loving and gentle city. And you see how toughness really helps? There's no crime in Chicago because we're so tough. Heard a lot of complaints. Oh, I'm sure you have. Hey, how about that Obama Center? In many respects, uh, a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. All right, well, that was Alexi Giannullius, but... We do have some Obama Center updates. Uh, ben, you sent me this here. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and one Lynn Sweet. The headline reads how Obama Center mega donors are using their naming rights. For the first time, the Obama Foundation released a list of its super mega donors, 11 gifts of $25 million or more, while also on Thursday announcing how top donors will be using their naming rights to honor others. Last month, the foundation disclosed that Jeff Bezos, one of the richest people in the world, is donating $100 million, its biggest individual contribution to date. In keeping with the new approach, the Obama Foundation is ta- uh, is staking out in naming rights, using the money to throw a spotlight on a notable person other than the donor. Bezos asked that the plaza and the Obama Presidential Center be named for the late representative John Lewis. The Sun-Times has learned that a minimum gift of five million dollars is needed to obtain naming rights of significant parts of the center complex under construction in Jackson Park. Yeah. We talked about this a bit with Miles um, <clears throat> Conflassen. Uh, and uh, so this is how we go, folks. This is the uh, public-private partnership on display. And uh, I personally believe that uh, if the Obama Center has a legitimate purpose as a repository of information about the uh, Obama presidency, very important public documents that scholars and just ordinary uh, citizens would want to see, much like the Johnson Center uh, down in Texas, uh, a presidential library is very important uh, to the public, uh, giving us an understanding of what that presidency was all about. So I actually absolutely believe that. And then it should be paid to a large degree with public funds because it has a very public purpose. But obviously the Obama Center is a little different animal. I don't even think it's going to be the official repository for information. So it's more or less, I don't know, a museum honoring Barack Obama. And uh, as such, uh, they don't want to take public dollars because they don't want to deal with the, uh, I don't know, the PR headache of Republicans making hay out of that, uh, which they would. And I would have a hard time justifying public dollars uh, being spent on a museum that's more or less just paying tribute to Barack Obama, as, even though I, as I've said many times, I've voted for him every time he's on the ballot. Uh, so I just, this is how we're going, huh? I go to the wealthiest people in this country. Uh, and the trick is they won't name it Jeff Bezos. So he has to designate somebody that he would name it for. In his case, he, he wants the plaza name for John Lewis, the great congressman, great civil rights activist who uh, led the, the marchers across Edmund Pettus Bridge back in 1965. It's a very noble thing to honor uh, John Lewis. But John Lewis, back in the 1960s, of course, uh, was standing uh, an ally of Martin Luther King, who was demanding an end to poverty as we know it. More money for the working people, higher taxes on wealthier people to get them to pay for it. Big supporter of union rights. Last I looked, Amazon is not exactly a big supporter of union rights. Yeah. So it is just kind of what, D? It's kind of, 
it's one of those contradictions that you don't want to think too much about because you get too damn depressed thinking about it. That's like you're saying the quiet part out loud. Like, you know, like, well, I am the CEO and people kind of hate my guts. So let's name this after someone who people like, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By the way, and I saw this and I don't know if you read the whole article, but uh, uh, my old boss, Fred Eichner, gave $10 million and um, uh, he is naming it the Ben Jarofsky Plaza because he appreciates so much the job I did at his radio. Station. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Just kidding, Fred. Just kidding. Uh, he's, he's had his whatever, whatever. I don't know what it is that uh, I can't remember with the library or what have you will be named for Harold Washington. So Fred and I see eye to eye on that. We both love Harold Washington. Greatest mayor the city of Chicago ever had. But that would have been funny, right? What if he has to the Dr. D School of Broadcasting? What if they named it after you? You gave seven years to that station. Oh, my God. Huh? I'd be flattered. Not happening, but I'd be flattered. That'd be funny. Maybe they'll name one for Mark Pinsky, who is the general manager of that state. We're going to call this the Mark Pinsky Plaza. How about that, D? They name it for bro, Pinsky. Bro. <laughs> anyway, that's how you do things. Uh, I'm, I'm envious, actually. Very envious. Uh, our show is always hustling for money. Lord knows we, we can't even afford a computer right now. And uh, he got $100 million from Jeff Bezos. Wow. I mean, I'm envious, actually. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you, D. Barack Obama, he knows how to play the game. So hats off to him, man. All right. And it's our final story. Story of the week in Chicago. Jussie Smollett guilty of staging hate crime and lying about it. That's the headline <laughs> from the Chicago Sun-Times, Andy Grimm and Matthew Hendrickson. The piece reads, battered in the court of public opinion almost from the moment he reported he'd been attacked near his Streeterville home three years ago. Actor Jesse Smollett was convicted Thursday by a Cook County jury following an eight-day trial. The Empire actor was found guilty of five counts of disorderly conduct and acquitted on a sixth count after nine hours of deliberation by jurors. Six women and six men, only one whom was black, uh, in indicating that they may have struggled to reach a consensus. So <clears throat> let me just say this. I've said it on the show. I'm probably going to write a column that is a fact. I'll put it in print just to really embarrass myself. I'm a little embarrassed to say, D, because just columnists are not supposed to do things like this. But I was really rooting for an acquittal. Uh, and I thought, ma'am, I felt like, that was going against the tide on that one because I feel like everybody was mad at Jesse Smollett. And when I say I was rooting for a acquittal, they did not mean I think he was innocent. I don't believe his story. I'm sorry. I don't believe his story. Obama's imitations coming up. Didn't believe his story. Um, but I thought, you know, he's like being a, uses a scapegoat. You know, I mean, and I get into this uh, with Ramon in greater detail. But there's just so many crimes, horrific crimes that go unpunished. And uh, and powerful people get away with all kinds of things. Uh, diabolical things. They just skate along through life. Never held accountable for them. We're, Mayor Rahm is about to be ambassador to Japan. He buried evidence of a murder. You know? So it's like, how is that acceptable behavior? What Rahm did in the McQuam McDonald video and what Jesse Smollett did so outrageous that uh, we have to spend all this effort 
to make sure he's punished. And that's like, kind of what's, that's, I know that may not sound rational, but I was hoping for an acquittal. Uh, I wasn't crying when the, uh, the guilty verdict came down. I wasn't surprised because uh, it just, uh, like I said, his testimony was a little shaky there. But I wasn't uh, doing jumping jacks. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I wasn't doing jumping jacks. And I don't know. You know, Chicagoans, they got this thing. They like every now and then, like, there's, they, uh, someone gets punished. And then Chicagoans or Illinoisans, they act like, so self-righteous about it. Remember when I, I don't know if you were, oh, of course you were here. You're born in Illinois. Uh, when Bogoyevich was impeached, you know, oh yeah, that's, that ends corruption in Illinois. <laughs> if you say so. Oh God. And Pat Quinn was sworn in by Ann Burke. I don't know if you remember that D sworn in by Ann Burke, uh, who is of course, Supreme court justice, wife of Ed Burke. So how is ending corruption reflected by Ann Burke swearing in Pat Quinn? I know Ann Burke wasn't accused of anything, but her husband is now facing federal indictment, uh, you know, or corruption charges. I don't know, Illinois. So don't feel so self-righteous, Chicago, because you punished Jesse Smollett for (laughs) making up a story. Well, I just think, I don't know. I mean, That's we, kind we, of how I we've been talking about it for years, and I think it's you know kind of like it's such a random thing that happened. And like Kim Fox and like everybody, they're going to be like, you know, that's going to be the one thing that they'll harp on the whole time. Oh, yeah. What about Jesse Smollett? Huh? Like the what? <laughs> well, you mean that random thing that will probably never happen again? <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? That has, right. that has nothing to do with like actual crime in Chicago. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And Kim Fox really blew it in this case. And she's got no one to blame for herself but herself for it. The voters gave her, uh, they forgave her, right? They elected her, uh, reelected her, I should say. Uh, but this just to let her know, you know, let, let her know. And it'll be up forever used against her. Uh, and it'll be forever used to undercut the credibility of uh, anybody. We talked about this already. Our show is like joining circle here we're going to close where we were began we're talking about how the republicans tough on crime you know get rid of social programs uh bring in more police arrest more people just lock them up that's their response and uh so kim fox was pushing in a different direction from that and it's exceedingly not a very popular one to put mildly right now um i feel i feel that's mistake on society's part and um, I feel, by the way, the Republicans would say the same thing if they were the ones getting locked up. So, uh, yeah, uh, you're absolutely correct. This is such a random, uh, one-of-a-kind moment in Chicago's history to think that getting, quote-unquote, tough on Jesse Smollett is going to have any impact on crime other than making you feel good about hating Kim Fox or Jesse Smollett. You're kidding yourself, people. You're kidding yourself. Isn't that crazy? We've come full circle. (laughs) In many respects, uh, a lot of people in this country uh, fear change. (laughs) Is that Obama? Uh, I want to say, uh, the pause makes it seem like whatever's going to come next is going to be really smart. Uh, People fear change. 
And there you are, everybody. That is Oh, What a Week It Was. Remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download podcasts. Subscribe. Give us a review. Five stars only. That'd be great. Uh, <laughs> check it I out. that one in a while. <laughs> ben, speaking of, who do we have on deck for this weekend's Benny J bonus uh, we interviews? We have three great guests. Um Ramana Hussein, I already talked to her uh, about her. Achi Obejas, old friend of mine, great. She's a poet. She's a novelist. She's a translator. She's a journalist. She's got a lot of opinions. We sat down to do the interview with Achi Obejas to talk about uh, her poetry, and then we ended up spending most of the time talking politics. She's a political junkie as well, uh, so that'll drop this probably this Saturday. I uh, haven't done this third interview. Sergio Vicente, good friend, Fight Club. Oh, yeah. uh, we'll do a little boxing talk. And a little sports talk. I like the sports conversations every now and then. So uh, that'll be a Monday's drop. It's this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews available Saturday, Sunday, and Monday morning. We'll be back on Tuesday with the brand new Ben Jarofsky show. Find us on so, uh, find us on social media at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show. Send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. And you can call this program. It's true, 708 658 4788. That number again, 708 658 Four seven eight eight. All right. I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of drove all in Illinois, without whom this should be possible. And as everyone can tell you, Sergio can tell you, Achi can tell you, Ramana can tell you, Mick Dumkey can tell you, Lori Lightfoot can tell you, Ray Lopez can tell you. <clears throat> Back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D, and the D stands for the marvelous. Give yourself a raise. <laughs> Take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. In many respects. A lot of people in this country uh, fear change. I won't just turn the car around. I won't just turn the car around. But tonight it is my distinct pleasure and honor uh, to introduce to you uh, a man who I have the highest regard for.